Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Hello to everyone listening on broadcast radio, on podcast, and of course, all all of you listening on HD radio. Raise your hands right... Oh, thank you. I'm going to renew my offer. Anybody who actually writes in and says, I'm listening to this program on HD radio is going to get a free gift from me of some value. Last time I made this offer, no response. But, you know, that was vacation. No, it wasn't. Ladies and gentlemen, the Internet of Things is a thing. An official watchdog in Germany, and their, their bite is worse than their bark, we've learned that, has told parents to destroy a talking doll called Kayla. Not Layla, because its smart technology can reveal personal data. Who would have thought that an Internet Connect... The warning was issued by the Federal Network Agency, the Bundesnetzgentur, it is the language of love, which oversees telecommunications. Researchers say hackers can use an insecure, unsecure Bluetooth device embedded in the toy. That's a good idea to listen and talk to the child playing with it. If only Jimmy Savile had lived to this. The UK Toy Toy Retailers Association said Kayla offers no special risk. That's reassuring. You know what that means? They're all like that. No, the uh, Toy Retailers Association told the BBC there's no reason for alarm. I guess that because it's too late. The Vivid Toy Group distributes Kayla has previously said examples of hacking were isolated. Well, we're all isolated and carried out by specialists. No, we're all specialists. However, it said the company would take the information on board as it could upgrade the app used with the doll. Experts have warned the problem has not been fixed. The Kayla doll responds to a user's question by accessing the Internet. What could possibly go wrong? For example, if a child asks the doll, what is a little horse called? The doll could reply, it's called a foal. If the child asks, oh, I don't know, more uh, dangerous questions about adult behavior, I guess the child can answer those too. A vulnerability in Kayla's software, oh, poor Kayla, was first revealed more than a year ago, more than uh, two years ago. Complaints have been filed by consumer groups both in the United States and in Europe. The EU Commissioner for Justice, Consumer and <laughs> Consumers and Gender Equality, there's a portfolio, says, uh, I'm worried about the impact of connected dolls on children's privacy and safety. I guess that's more about consumers than about gender equality, but there you go. The European Commission is investigating whether Kayla breaches EU data protection safeguards. A hack allowing strangers to speak directly to children via Kayla has been shown to be possible. The Toy Retailers Association says in response to that, quote, we would always expect parents to supervise their children at least intermittently. Raise the bar, babe. It said the distributor had restated the toy is perfectly safe to own and use when following the user instructions, which include don't talk to the Internet. No, it doesn't, but it should. Under German law... It is illegal to sell or possess a banned surveillance device. That's a serious law in Germany. Germany, ladies and gentlemen, imagine. Now, not Internet of Things, just things. Um, 
we are in the weekend after President Trump said that the uh, news media are the enemy of the people. And you know what's happened since then. Because the number one story that the media like to cover over and above any other is the story of the media. Uh, and so there has been, as has been common during the first 30 days of this administration, the flurry of, this has never happened before. This is unprecedented. This is, this is totally beyond the... <sighs> George W. Bush administration, first term, leading up to the Iraq war, a think tank found the administration had told and, and it had itemized them, 935 separate lies to buttress its case for war. 935, ladies and gentlemen, for war that cost us trillions of dollars and killed untold hundreds of thousands, if not millions. It's, this is unprecedented, really. Let's go back further. Has ever a president called the press the enemy of the people of the enemy? Yes, Richard Nixon. Of course, Richard Nixon, now you know, I'm kind, it's kind of a thing with me. As a matter of fact, I'm in the process of preparing another TV series about Nixon, which you might actually see this time, uh, focusing on the fact that even before he was elected, he chose to, in his words, monkey wrench the ceasefire talks that LBJ, his predecessor, was having with the Vietnamese in Paris. And then during the first term of his administration, and this is on tape, he uh, colluded with Henry Kissinger to prolong and extend the Vietnam War until after his re-election campaign. That's on tape. So is him calling the press an enemy. That's on tape. But we didn't. The, the thing is, we didn't get to know about it until decades, la- years or decades later. So I guess the thing is, people are unhappy with the fact that this administration is like listening to the Nixon tapes, but in real time. Hello, welcome to the show.
Louisiana, where it's carnival time. Think of that. I'm Harry Shearer. Welcome you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the Olympic movement. 
produced by Jim Ebersol Jr. All right, down, down, John. I know you've won 27 of whatever's. Deadline Paris, guardians of the French language were up in arms this week after the French National Olympic Committee adopted an English slogan. The slogan, made for sharing, is to back France's bid to host the games in 2024. The Académie Française, official custodian of the language, said it was no better than a pizza commercial. Paris, L.A., and Budapest. Well, hold on about Budapest. We'll get to them in a moment. Trying to host the 2024 Games. The French National Olympic Committee said it chose the English slogan to broaden its appeal for the wider world. I know how to do that. Um, Well, you know, what's the most popular thing in the world? It's not English. Another group whose aim is the defense of French usage says the choice was an insult to the French la, la langue, la langue, and proposed instead the rallying cry of Venez partager, come and share. They said they would lodge an official appeal against the English slogan. The uh, slogan, made to share, has already been used in France for selling pizzas and sweets. Bernard Pivot widely known for defending French culture, said French-speaking countries are going to be surprised and indignant that Paris, capital of the Francophone world, bows down before a language that is not only that of Shakespeare, but that of Donald Trump. See, you thought you weren't going to hear that name in this context? You were wrong. One of two cities competing against L.A. for the right to host the 2024 Summer Olympics could be on the brink of withdrawing. That's the aforementioned Budapest. Both Buda and Pest is facing a, are facing a stern challenge from Hungarian political group that this week claims to have garnered more than enough public support to force a referendum. Momentum Mozgalom posted videos of members carrying bundles of petitions to election officials. group says it's collected more than a quarter million signatures. Only 140,000 are needed to trigger a general vote. The mayor says he's going to seriously consider whether the city's campaign should be discontinued. Leaders of Budapest 2024 had no comment. In recent years, the IOC has watched numerous potential hosts scared away by the high cost of staging the Olympics. What are they afraid of? The 2024 bidding cycle has already seen Boston, Hamburg, and Rome withdraw. Budapest had placed its hopes on a proposal that emphasized simplicity, community spirit, and old-world charm. But wait, there's more. Organizers of the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo say a total of $390 million will be needed to build and remodel 11 facilities outside of the capital. Although the figure is not final, (laughs) what figure in the Olympics ever is where money is concerned? No, I'm just... Asking. The organizing committee has presented the estimate along with a breakdown of costs to the five prefectures where the facilities are based. About $440 million on top of that, we're getting close to a billion now, would also be needed for a large scale renovation of the athletes' village in the Bay Area of Harumi when the buildings are sold as condominiums after the games. Oh, was that part of the plan? The. Of the 300. 90 million, an estimate for the two soccer venues. 
$20 million each. The uh, estimate does not include costs for the newly added sports of baseball and softball to be held in Yokohama Stadium. And surfing, surfing, talks between the games organizers, the governments involved are going on to discuss figures for both temporary and permanent facilities. Organizers of the games had planned to bear 100% of the financial burden for the temporary facilities when the city launched the bid. But the organizers have since asked local governments to uh, pony up. Gee, you think? Really? I know. Are you sitting down? Are you still sitting down? Well, get up! And back to Rio. Now the AP discovers what we uh, discussed here a few weeks ago. And by we, I mean me, of course. Are you still there? Almost six months after the closing ceremony of the Rio games, many venues are abandoned and desolate, according to the AP. Rio's organizers are unsure how they will repay the $40 million they owe to creditors for setting up the Olympic facilities, AP reports. Well, you could foreclose and, 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 and the Maracanã Stadium, one of the iconic venues in Rio, has fallen into disrepair, as we reported. Now the AP joins us. The second largest cluster of Olympic venues, Deodoro, is closed until they're taken over by a new management company. The sweeping Olympic golf course has also been neglected. Well, they could try sweeping. The Olympic Games, as currently conducted, are not economically viable for most cities, said a study last year on the economics of the Olympic Games by the American Economic Association. What do they know? The most important reasons include infrastructure costs relating to the venues hosting the events, the monopoly rents that flow to the International Olympic Committee. Huh. Poor management, corruption, and the specter of unreasonable and unrealizable economic expectations for the host city and nations. As the Rio Games were beginning last summer, a Smith College economics professor told ABC News the Games were expected to cost Brazil $20 billion and return 4 to $4.5 billion. Well, that's a profit of... Oh. Profit schmoffit. It's the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. Boom. Thank you. Well, now in the little quiet space we have here. It got a little too exciting there, don't you think? The Olympics can just do that to, to a person, to a, to a, to a party. Let's, uh, let's, let's, cool, let's cool it down a little bit. He's not a general. He commands no troops. He's not an inspector. He pees at no stoops. He's an inspector general. Oh, yeah. Thousands of critical and high-risk vulnerabilities were identified at two bureaus of the Interior Department, specifically their IT assets. That's according to an Inspector General report released this week. 
It's been redacted, but we still have some of it available. It offers a bleak picture of information technology, that's the IT, for the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the Bureau of Indian Education. This is, I guess, because we care too much about the Indians, don't you think? Wouldn't that be the explanation? I think it's a safe bet. The uh, testing by the IG found two agencies' IT assets had more than... You want to take a guess at the number? Come on, you folks on HD radio, you're in on this. Um, 20,000 vulnerabilities. Just 20,000 of them. You know, because that's not asking much to not have 20,000 vulnerabilities in your IT apparatus. I guess it is. Uh, the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program at a core Interior Department data center is not effective at protecting IC t- systems from potential exploitation. That's bad stuff. That's like, you know, what could happen to Kayla. The report summary notes that one bureau did not effectively oversee the contractor responsible for implementing the department's IT security program to ensure that the vulnerabilities on a high-value IT asset were discovered and timely mitigated. Unquote. In the public version, the inspector general redacted the name of that IT, that high-value IT asset. The report al- high-value asset at the Indian Affairs Department? The report also found other problems, including that the data center's contingency planning practices contributed to a hardware failure that temporarily affected the availability of of other systems. Hmm? One of the report's big takeaways is that the office of the chief information officer is not effectively overseeing the bureaus and the contractors' implementation of federal and department IT security requirements. They're self-enforcing, aren't they? I thought... For example, the department hasn't established or enforced software lists, a shortcoming that contributed to computers for the two bureaus running vulnerable, unsupported software. Yeah, but it's cheap, and you can get it at office. The inspector general tested a little more than 1,000 of the bureau's devices, including computer servers, workstations, and other network devices. Department policy requires all critical and high-risk vulnerabilities to be patched within a month of discovery. Tests by the IG found more than 20,000 on the two bureaus' assets. 4,000 of these were unmitigated for years, even though patches to fix the vulnerabilities were available. Yeah, but it's Microsoft. Others of the 20,000 were on programs that are no longer supported by the vendor, so the only way they can be fixed is by removing or upgrading them. We don't want to do that. That would take time. News of Inspectors General, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now... Yes, keep it to this chill quality. You gotta be chill when it's news of the warm, don't you? Soft, listen to the warm. We can listen to the warm. Sea ice around Antarctica has shrunk to the smallest annual extent on record after years of resisting a trend of man-made global warming, according to preliminary U.S. satellite data. Ice floating around the frozen continent usually melts to its smallest extent for the year towards the end of February, before expanding again as autumn sets in. This year, it contracted on the 13th of February 
to a fraction smaller than the previous low recorded way back in February of 1997. Unless something funny happens, says director of the National Snow and Ice Data Center, unless something funny happens, we're looking at a record minimum in Antarctica, he told Reuters. Well, it's all funny. Some people say it's already happened, he says. We tend to be conservative by looking at five-day running averages. If I were those averages, I'd run to... No, in recent years, the average extent of sea ice around Antarctica has tended to expand despite the overall trend of global warming. People skeptical of uh, the warming thing have pointed to Antarctic sea ice as evidence against warming. Some climate scientists have linked the paradoxical expansion to shifts in winds and ocean currents. We've always thought of the Antarctic as the sleeping elephant starting to stir, says the head of the SIDC. Well, maybe it's starting to stir now. As you know, probably, unless you're listening on HD radio, world average temperatures climbed to a record high last year for the third year in a row. Climate scientists say warming is causing more extreme days of heat, downpours, hello California, and is nudging up global sea levels. At the other end of the planet, ice covering the Arctic Ocean has been at repeated lows in recent years. So the Antarctic is just drawn in the party. Meanwhile, as they say in the news, meanwhile, later, Boulder, Colorado, researchers at the National Institute of Standards and Technology have just completed a multi-year study to identify the best candidates for future use as refrigerants and air conditioners. They're looking for ones that will have the lowest impact on the climate because we had to get rid of one because it, it was causing the ozone hole and the one that replaced it ain't doing too good for the climate either. Unfortunately, all 27 fluids that NIST identified as the best from a performance viewpoint, that is chillin', are at least slightly flammable. That's right, chillin' causes flame, just like Bob and Ray predicted. That's not allowed, the flammable thing, under U.S. safety codes, for most end uses, like in your room. Several fluids among the list of refrigerants are highly flammable, including propane, which, of course, is the fuel for your outdoor grill. So you can chill and grill at the same time. In other words, the NIST study found no ideal refrigerant that combined low global warming potential, GWP as we call it, a measure of how much heat a gas will trap if released into the atmosphere, with other desirable performance and safety features, such as not catching on fire. The results appear in Nature Communications. The takeaway, here's that word again. Is John Hockenberry paying people to say this now? The takeaway is there is no perfect, easy replacement for current refrigerants, said the chemical engineer at the NIST. Going into the study, we thought, surely there has to be something else. Turns out, not so much. So it was a bit surprising, he says. A bit disappointing. Much like life itself. After long-awaited snowfall in January, parts of the Alps, you've heard of them in Europe, Europe, are now covered with powder and skiers, but the Swiss side of the mountain range had the driest December since record-keeping began over 150 years ago. Last year was the third year in a row with scarce snow over the Christmas period. So don't bring your skis to the Alps at Christmas time. A study published in the Cryosphere Journal of the European Geosciences Union shows bare alpine slopes could be a much more common sight in the future. The research at the Institute of Snow and Avalanche Research, glad they have that, shows at, at the uh, Cryos Laboratory at the Ecole Polytechnique Federale, oh, speak English, like the Olympics, 
in Switzerland shows that the Alps could lose as much as 70% of snow cover by the end of the century. If we managed to keep global warming below 2 degrees centigrade, the snow cover reduction would be limited to 30% by 2100. I'd say take up another sport, me, something that doesn't require, you know, something in water or land. And Deadline Vienna, an Austrian court has blocked construction of a new runway at Vienna's airport, mainly on the grounds that the project would increase climate-changing greenhouse gas emissions. That happens to be in violation of Austrian and European environmental laws. They have laws in Austria? That's new. The decision was seen as affirming Austrians' constitutional rights to a clean environment. Imagine that including protection from climate change impacts. It may be the first time a court anywhere in the world has blocked a major public infrastructure project based heavily on climate-related laws or considerations. And maybe the last. News of the warm, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Friends are calling cause they're falling down I've joined the circus but I ain't no clown There's five eaters and some midgets too Around the corner right next to the zoo Call me crazy and it's probably true Please to call me now, here's a clue What's black and white and red all over A newspaper story about a murder lover I feel half crazy and I feel half-hearted Down the well of wishes of the dearly departed Come to find out we are all connected Mosquitoes bit me and they got infected Morning Rob has come to town Time to lay your burden down I'm back in it Tuesday again Midnight call, but to no avail. I got the boat, but I forgot the sail. I'll soon be rowing gently down the stream. Upon the sheets, I will lie and dream. When I wake, the sun will shine like madness. Down on the heads of the drunken masses Out on the streets get their glasses full Riding a buggy while the mule Drivers rewrite the course of history 
Topsy showed you were full of fish A broken heart and a come true wish Now if fire burns out on the levee And the weight of the world is not that heavy As when you Now don't forget to pick up the lid If you went on back, would you change a thing? Wait and see what tomorrow will bring Morning glow has come to From New Orleans, this is Le Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news from outside the bubble. Oh, let's welcome back to the world stage, can we, Mr. Tony Blair, who, uh, for those of you who aren't aware of the official definition of chutzpah, provides a new one this week. He issued a battle cry against a so-called hard Brexit, Britain leaving the uh, European Union, calling on voters, businesses, and campaigners to rise up and back a coordinated effort to even halt the exit, which was approved by a referendum of British voters by uh, 52 to 48 percent. This is his first major political intervention since that referendum. He said the prime minister must be challenged. 
He says the people voted without knowledge of the terms of Brexit. That's right. Tony Blair said a major government policy by, in Britain was adopted without accurate information being known. That, ladies and gentlemen, is chutzpah. And also, from outside the bubble, Saudi Crown Prince has received a medal from the CIA. Not kidding. Not fake news. For his distinct intelligence-related counterterrorism work and his contributions to international peace and security. The Saudis. Same people who are bombing civilians in Yemen. Same people who have built uh, Wahhabi schools all over the Middle East and Asia. That's them. The medal was named after George Tenet, or as we call him, George Slam Dunk Tenet. It was handed to the Saudi Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Nayef bin Abdulaziz Al Saud, by uh, the new CIA director, Michael Pompeo, after the Crown Prince received him last week. The Crown Prince said he appreciated the CIA honor. He said all religions are separate from the beliefs and actions of extremist groups. He said Saudi Arabia has played a key role in the fight against terrorism. And he says it's a shared international responsibility. That's um, not, not quite chutzpah, but it's, it's irony. It's, you know, second best. News from outside the bubble, ladies and gentlemen. That's, a, that's copyrighted, kind of. Close, close enough. Okay, so uh, the week for <laughs> President Trump. The uh, started with, seems like a longer time ago, with the uh, resignation of the National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, after only uh, less than a month in office, because he had lost the confidence of the president after not telling the vice president that he, Flynn, had had discussions with the Soviet ambassador before Inauguration Day, that uh, discussions which may have involved the subject of the then-new sanctions imposed on the Russians by President Obama in retaliation for the supposed meddling by the Soviets, by the Russians, in the United States election campaign. Because we never meddle in other countries' elections, ladies and gentlemen. Please keep that in mind as long as you possibly can. The week continued with uh, more leaks. This is the leakiest administration probably in his. That, That one boast, I think, will prove true, even though he's not making it. Um, but the leaks coming from intelligence sources. What does that tell you? Including a story in the New York stories in the New York Times and the and CNN, which said that there were frequent, if not constant, contacts by the Trump campaign with Russians before the election. Now these are leaks based on intercepts, which presumably meant the leakers had access to the content as well as to the names of the people involved. Yet no content was revealed. So it must be important, must be good. The, uh, the president then um, offered the 
Mike Flynn position to uh, another guy who had uh, was getting, as his name was floated, very approving remarks from the folks in the military and the Washington establishment. And then he said, uh, no thanks. And um, the president concluded the week with uh, a press conference and a rally. Or in short... This week, for the first time, the swamp drains back, and the businessman turned president has to utter his trademark phrase long before the season finale, even before mid-season. Michael. Yes, sir. I like that sir thing. It's a sign of respect, right? Well, it's part of the military protocol, sir. I learned that in military school, Mike. So it was... I've told you before, we have that in common. Well, I have been shot at, sir. I know, and someone tied the laces of my boots together so I couldn't make roll call one day, right? I told you that, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Mike, who should I fire? Reince or Steve Bannon? I don't know that you should fire anybody, sir. Ship seems to be riding itself. I've had good talks with many of my counterparts around the world. And... You've done those talks well, you think? Yes, sir, I do. So So did you tell Mike Pence about all those talks? Many of them, sir. You told me about them? Yes, sir. I sort of figured, dude, uh, you'd fill Mike Pence in. You mean in my spare time, right? Maybe between tweets, sir. Mike, do you want me to fire you? No, sir, but I know you loathe any sign of weakness. And disloyalty. And disloyalty, sir. You don't need the sir when you're just repeating me, Mike. Mm. So look, you didn't tell Mike Pence about those phone calls with the Russians, did you? Again, sir, I knew you were briefed, so I... You assumed, didn't you, that Mike would be briefed? Yes, sir. So you thought it was okay to lie to him? I didn't think about it that way, sir. I just thought it best to leave the full briefing to... To the full briefers? Yes, sir. Okay. So, Mike, this is a big deal now. Big league. By the rules of the show, I have to fire somebody. So should it be Reince or Steve Bannon? I'm going to say Steve Miller, sir. Who? Why Steve? He was great on the Sunday shows. Did you watch him? Yes, sir, I did. But, Mike, you know I hate to say this. Even though Mark Burnett said this is your trademark, get used to it. But I hate it. And you know why? Uh, No, sir, why? Because firing someone means... I made a mistake. Nobody likes to feel that way, right? Well, sir, we all know. I mean, it hurts. Believe me. I'm a good person. Just look at the ratings. But, Mike. Yes, sir? You're fired. You know, I still respect him, but I thought I was a great national security advisor. And and, and frankly, I I don't understand the double standard. I mean, am I the only person in this organization who's not supposed to lie? Well, next time I'll I'll just run for president myself. Meantime, I've got a lot of new secrets to keep. Sean. Yes, Mr. President. You're a big deal now. (laughs) You're the star of that terrible NBC show, right? I have become kind of a late-night target, sir. You know why... Because you've been on morning TV every day. Well, 
If we banned cameras from the briefing, sir, we'd, we'd get slammed even worse than we are now. Sean, here's how a fine-tuned machine works. I have this week's task for you. I really don't want to go on Saturday Night Live and be water-gunned by that actress. You won't have to. Your task is to not have any more briefings this week. Well, in fairness, the media guys are going to howl about... You know why they won't? Because you're going to have a press conference instead of me? Bingo. It's not that I'm jealous of you becoming a star, you understand? Right. Just right. trying to take the heat off you. Little League. You going to be okay with that? Sure, I guess so. I'll just... Good. Let that failing TV show make fun of me for a change. Admiral Harwood? Uh, Harwood. Okay, Admiral Harvard. Call me President Wharton School. Look, it's a big task. National Security Advisor, believe me. I'm very aware of that, sir. Again with the sirs. Last time I was called sir this often, I was on Jeff Epstein's yacht. So, here's the deal. Can you accept the task? President. President, I don't think so. Okay, but we kind of announced you. I'm not responsible for that, sir. You understand what it means when someone whom the president calls to serve turns him down? That's like, uh, that's like you're firing yourself, right? <laughs> In a way, sir. I, really, I wish uh, none of this had gone public for both our sakes. It just didn't seem as if it was going to be a good fit. Listen, take it from me. Anything can be tailored to fit. Yeah, I didn't always have this waistline, believe me. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I, I, I can't accept this task. Bob? Yes, sir. Actually, Admiral... Bob, you fired. I have to hand it to him. Firing someone who wasn't working for him was a touch of genius. New team. New tasks. Same mission. We really are going to make this format incredibly great again. Now, the is his boardroom. The Presidentus. This week, watch it with your eyes closed. And, lest we not forget. The Ballad of Bowling Green. Where was it heard? And where was it seen? That terrible day in Bowling Green About 7.30 In the morning or at night When a calm and friendly city Succumbed to the fright Who knows how many citizens Had their lives turned upside down When terror never came round Oh, show me the page Show me the screen Telling the tale of Bowling Green Did the birds stop a-singing? Did the dogs forget to bark? How many nameless people set off that spark? Children asked their parents Folks could only shrug Was that fateful bullet a slug? Oh, sing me the ballad Read me the magazine Counting the toll In Bowling Green Bowling Green Killian 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 
saw the bodies. No one dried the tears. No one made a promise to remember through the years. Now we're all survivors, grateful to be spared from the uneventful nightmare we shared. What did it say? What did it mean? The questions don't stop in Bowling Green. No well would tell their grandkids that they were there that day. No one will tell their neighbors they don't know what to say. No one will learn the lesson that they doesn't have to tell. No one will shrug and say it's just as well. Why did it feel just like a movie scene? But no one yelled cut in Bowling Green. In Bowling Green. In Bowling Green. In Bowling Green. Now, news of the godly. Finally, some numbers on how prevalent priestly abuse is of children. 7% of Australia's Catholic priests were accused of abusing children in the six decades since 1950. That's according to new data released by the Royal Commission that's examining all this, institutional responses to child sexual abuse, that is to say. The numbers confirm the extent of sexual predation already suggested by four years of hearings involving the church, which are wrapping up now. Up to 15% of priests in some dioceses were alleged perpetrators between 1950 and 2015. The numbers were even worse in some national Catholic orders, by far the worst, the Order of St. John of God Brothers. 40% of religious brothers are believed to have abused children. That's called an order. I guess it was an order. 22% of Christian brothers and 20% of Marist brothers both orders that run schools were alleged perpetrators. More than one in five priests in the Benedictine community in one area were alleged perpetrators. In total, 4,444 people alleged incidents of child sexual abuse relating to 93 Catholic Church authorities. 37% of all private sessions it held with survivors from all institutions said the commission related to abuse in the Catholic Church. And... Uh, the official senior counsel said responses of Catholic diocese and orders across the country were, quote, depressingly similar. Children were ignored or worse, punished. Allegations were not investigated. Priests and religious brothers were moved. The parishes or communities to which they were moved knew nothing of the past. Documents were not kept. Secrecy prevailed, as did cover-ups. News of the Codley, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now we move briskly to the Apologies of the Week. We're so sorry. Here we go. The first male spokesperson for CoverGirl Cosmetics is apologizing for saying he's scared to be traveling to Africa because he was afraid he'd get Ebola. James Charles, 17, tweeted on the eve of the trip to South Africa, I can't believe we're going to Africa today. Oh, my God, what if we get Ebola? CoverGirl called his tweet inappropriate and not representative of the brand. Charles, who has 182,000 followers on Twitter, it's more than me, was criticized, and he apologized in an expletive-filled statement. 
It was never my in- no expletives will be involved in, in the, my reading of it though. It was never my intent to offend anyone. He wrote, "I feel awful for posting what I said." His statement didn't put the controversy completely to rest because he described Africa as a country. He later explained he made that mistake because he was in a hurry to apologize, or because he was 17, or because he's a male representative of CoverGirl. The Israeli branch of IKEA has apologized for issuing a catalog aimed at Jewish ultra-Orthodox customers containing no images of females. First such attempt to reach out to the ultra-Orthodox community. Highlighting demands, uh, items in demand among ultra-Orthodox families, which tend to be large, such as bunk beds and big bookshelves to handle extensive collections on Jewish law. Some ultra-Orthodox Jews follow a strict policy of gender segregation. Images of women and girls are frequently removed from advertisements aimed at that community. But IKEA is sorry it did that. A new mother says she was publicly shamed at the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center in Pittsburgh for breastfeeding in public. Receptionist walked up to her, indicating she should use a private room. She filed a complaint with the women's supervisor and a patient advocate. Officials from the hospital said they're looking into the incident. Says the woman, you can flaunt the Kardashians all over TV like it's no big deal, and then when there's somebody breastfeeding their child, which is natural, that's what breasts are for. We make a big deal out of it and shouldn't be. What does she have against the Kardashians? In Pennsylvania, breastfeeding mothers are protected by law to nurse wherever they want. Hospital officials say, we fully support breastfeeding as an option. We take pride in providing a safe and caring environment. The behavior described is not in line with our standards of care. We apologize to the patient. We're committed to further educating staff. I want to go to those meetings. The producer of the Grammys believes it was an extra on stage with Metallica, who's responsible for singer James Hetfield's microphone going out. Gee, where did that happen before? Ken Ehrlich says his crew said the microphone cable was connected. They believe an extra accidentally kicked it out. Ehrlich says he apologized to the band and found it personally upsetting because he's worked with Metallica for years and has the hearing damage to... I mean, no. President Trump's nominee to be ambassador to Israel, David M. Friedman, a bankruptcy lawyer, apologized on Thursday for his language during the highly charged presidential campaign and apparent reference to his comments comparing liberal American Jews to the Jews who aided the Nazis in the Holocaust. He's sorry about that. Felix Kjellberg, the YouTube star known as PewDiePie, apologized for content in one of his videos, but accused the media of taking other material out of context and scrutinizing his use of Nazi and anti-Semitic imagery and language. He was responding to a journal story that pointed to nine videos he's made since August that included anti-Semitic jokes or Nazi imagery. Walt Disney Company has severed business ties with him has followed as, as YouTube. He says, a video in which he paid two men in India to hold a sign saying, quote, death to all Jews, unquote, was a joke to decide, designed to show how far you could push people by paying them $5 on a freelancer website. I'm sorry for the words I used, as I know they offended people, and I admit the joke itself went too far. I do strongly believe you can joke about anything, but I also believe that there's the right way and the best, not the best way to joke about things. I took things too far, but the reaction and outrage has been nothing short of insanity. He has... You don't want to know how many followers he has. N- neither do I. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast.
Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USN 440 cable system in Japan, around the world through the facilities of the American Forces Network, up and down the east coast of North America by the shortwave giant WBCQ, the planet. On the Mighty 104 in Berlin. On Soho Radio in London. Around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived, whenever you want it. HarryShearer.com and KCSN.org. Available for your smartphone through Stitcher.com and available as a free podcast at Sideshow Network, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, and WWNO.org. And be just like the Emperor boasting daily that he has no clothes, if you'd agree to join with me then. Well, you already, thank you very much, uh uh-huh. Email address for this program. Playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t shirts for uh, St. Patrick's Day. All at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Exile and Hawaii desk. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO in New Orleans for help with today's program. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station of the Change Is Easy radio network. So long from Carnival in New Orleans.